Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to my weekly email newsletter, Friday Focus. Each Friday, I focus on one topic with one action arising. The link to sign up is in the show notes or head over to amyrolinson.com and sign up right now. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Penny Haslam. Penny, welcome. Hello. How are you? I'm great, actually. It's Monday. I always like Mondays. It's like get back to normal day. (laughs) Get back to normal from what? From, you know, leisure time. Because I love my work. I love being at my desk. I love all the possibilities of it. And at the weekend, I love it too. But it's a little bit more pedestrian, isn't it? It, Well, it is in my weekend anyway. So Monday, Monday. Monday. So is that how you helps you get through to choose yay? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Wednesday afternoon, I closed the shop, <laughs> like the 1970s. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. Monday's good, and I'm really good. Are you, Amy? Thank you for asking. I am great. I really am. So what we're looking to do today is explore your purpose. So I'm going to kick off with what is it you're focusing on at the moment, Penny? Well, I am focusing on, at work, um, a programme for women called Impact, Influence and Confidence. And it's women at work, women in big organisations who are talented, but they're not quite on the red carpet leadership programmes. But they are possibly the most at risk population in most workplaces to be a quiet quitter or a noisy resigner, whatever. But women tend to exit the workplace, um, you know, at a certain career point, at a certain life point as well, when... um, you know, maybe corporate work, the work, corporate world isn't working for them as well. But they're so valuable to organisations um, for so many reasons, um, not least, you know, succession planning and moving women into senior levels, closing the gender pay gap as a result and keeping knowledge within the building. So I've seen over the last 15 years, loads of sponsoring and mentoring and programmes to try and, you know, get women's networks and it hasn't moved a dial and if anything things are regressing so when I've run this program a few and I've only done it a few times so it's new to me which is why it is very much my focus um it's had phenomenal results for women who've got a job more senior to you know what they had already they've had more impact at board level or at the director level um they've found more time for themselves and it's just been great and I do it as a group, which is new to me as well. So I'm coached for quite a while, about six years now. And yet groups, group coaching is new to me and it is phenomenal. Oh, it's so good. So rich. Oh, love it. So yeah, I um, that's my focus. And I am very much enjoying it. I have lots of focuses. Or is it foci? I don't know. But anyway, a lot of things I focus on and I could talk about those all day long, but that's my primary front of mind thought at the moment. 
And I want to pick up on that phrase about the knowledge within the building, because the way that we're working now has shifted. And that knowledge may not be physically within the building, as in the office space, but it could be that it's you're working from home. What's the impact now of the shift from the pandemic on the way women are working? Has that helped or hindered the the, the quiet quitters or the, the noisy resigners? I believe it's it's the, a double-edged sword, really. Yes, you can feel physically the benefits of not commuting for two hours, three hours a day. You can be there for your children. You can be present, even though then you maybe have to get back to doing a call. The flexibility issue is fantastic, the aspect of it that way. However, when you are not with your teams day in, day out, week in, week out, you miss opportunities to engage others and be engaged by the people around you. You miss out being seen. And so therefore, the other piece of work I do is about visibility in the workplace and not being a best kept secret. And when you are at home working, you have to you really be conscious about how you're going to get greater visibility for what you do. You know, might get forgotten about. You might feel that you're a, bit, you're a little bit forgotten about. So being present is awesome. You also learn from others when you are within earshot of people. So if you've got a team, especially if it's a new person, you know, you think about all those wonderful people who bravely joined organizations with new roles from possibly their childhood bedrooms, you know, how can you then have the confidence and the authority to make calls to clients or speak to colleagues when you haven't heard your slightly more senior or very senior people around you doing the same? It's almost like you do learn from through osmosis, don't you? Um, when you're in the building. So I think it's wonderful. I also think it's woeful. And there possibly is the balance that needs to be struck. Or four day week, or, you know, <laughs> just, I don't know. I think it's for each team to work it out as well. Each organization to work it out. I don't think there can be a universal one size fits all for this. Does that answer your question? It does. And you mentioned also about the the women who are leaving the workplace are at a certain career point or they're at a certain life point and they believe for whatever reason that now is the time to step away from the workplace. Your your work in, in terms of impact, influence and confidence and also the visibility piece is to encourage people that now is not the right time to leave? I would never encourage anyone to either think now is the right time or now isn't the right time. That's for them to decide. Um, I was working with someone recently who was at the end of her tether. She had come under a new boss who wasn't very communicative or loving, shall we say, quite odd, a bit of a character to get her head around, um, undermining, you know, small whispers of, do you sure you know what you're doing? And given her credibility and experience, it was absolutely the wrong fit for her. And she felt instantly not welcome and was at her, you know, wits end was about, you know, literally about to leave. And so that choice was for her to make. However, when you're coaching someone, you generally look for maybe patterns of behavior or reactions and responses that haven't or have helped in the past. 
And it turned out that she was just a, right, that's it, line of the sand and walking over it. And had been doing that since she had a difficult family relationship, um, you know, at home and left home quite abruptly. So it's not therapy, is it, to look back and understand, but it it does help um, think about where that person is. So that was the person approach in that circumstance. She then looked at it as an opportunity to learn. And when even if I end up leaving this job, I'll still have learned how to manage somebody difficult that I don't get on with, that I don't agree with, whose values don't align with mine. So yeah, good. And a few weeks later, a few months later, she's like, I, I'm actually loving my work. He's like a small part of it. But you know, in the mix, there was hormones, there was teenagers, there was older parents, there was new team roles, new team members coming on board, pressures, always having to have the answer. Um, you know, retirement looming in five, 10 years, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's so much to conjure with. It's not just that moment of like, oh, I don't like my boss. There's a myriad of, of situations which influence our decisions. But, you know, we look at the numbers of women deciding to leave. It's often because of the culture of the organization, not because they've got elderly parents who they need to look after. And it's not because they're menopausal. It's because their organizations whisper you know, the headwinds of, you know, people not interested or undermining or pay not being quite as good as it should be. I'm working with a bunch of women at the moment who are a bunch, a group of women, a cohort of women who are all saying the same thing about their organisation. They love it. They love the work, yet culture around them isn't as supportive as it could be. So what was the question? It was such a long time ago, Amy. It's fine. <laughs> and what I want to ask you is, lots of things have changed but you don't feel the dial has moved where were you where do you want this dial to move to what's the what's the sort of ultimate goal here I think easier choices I battled in an organization so I used to work for the BBC and I left to take voluntary redundancy I was really pleased that I did obviously I left on the Friday and then went back to work there on the Monday the next week as you do so I enjoyed the cash and I set up on my own, et cetera, et cetera. But when I was an employee, I didn't feel like I could progress because I didn't have the confidence or the knowledge as to how to put myself in front of other people without feeling like an idiot or a show off and vulnerable. You know, getting exposure is quite exposing. And I didn't feel like I could really fit in. I was a northerner. I am still a northerner. Um, comprehensively educated and I was in an environment where being male and from the south and um, educated in Oxford or Cambridge was like a big part of how you got on and I know that wasn't it wasn't factually accurate but it was visible everywhere you could see that everywhere you went I mean I came into work one day and someone my line manager my line manager said oh Penny you're like the poor we can't get rid of you <laughs> Like, right, lovely. So what I would love to see change is an equitable scenario where people from any background, any socioeconomic background, any racial background, you know, gender, all everything, disability, have a chance, have a chance. And no one feels marginalized or not welcome. Um, 
and there's no one in no one no particular type in charge which is the situation at the moment just to muck, just to mess it all up at the moment i just want to see some changes any changes would be great oh, you know in the 90s when i was a feminist it was the we we, had, we thought we had it sorted at, you know we had the spice girls tick check done and of course it wasn't and now maybe following hashtag me too and a lot more progressive thinking around uh, DEI and workspaces we think we may have it sorted but whew, still got a gender pay gap you know there's work to do so whatever efforts and whatever changes can be made is welcome but it's quicker than what's been happening come on people I know it's frustrating isn't it and easier choices this wonderful equitable space that we could work live play in what would you most love to create in your life for me or for others what would I like to create in my life oh just more knowledge around no it's not knowledge more confidence so for me confidence trumps happiness success ambition performance well-being because once you have more confidence you can set about achieving those things i i talk about this a lot and i throw it out to the audience to begin with i say so what can you do when you're when you've got more confidence because i'm never going to say any anyone's got not not got any confidence that's not true but we could all do with a little bit more possibly and um, so what can you do when you've got confidence? And I hope to get like a bunch of answers like you can, you know, do a marathon or you can apply for a job that you want to. But someone was quick as anything, just went straight away. Anything. <laughs> and you can. And I love the idea of confidence because it's an easier topic to grasp. And it's in two ways. It shows up in two ways. You can display confidence and or you can feel confidence, confident. So I displayed a lot of confidence when I was at work. I kind of had to, it was that environment. I was a live radio producer on a national personal finance program. I then became a TV presenter on live breakfast telly and whoa, if you weren't sure, you know, showing confidence there, you know, you were in all sorts of trouble. But the opposite is was how I felt, I felt, lack of self-belief, low self-esteem, low moods, tiredness, regularly ill, um, bewildered and unsure of myself. And that was a horrible experience. And so those horrible experiences, I want to encourage people to not have. Okay, so that sounds really simple, doesn't it? And a bit of a fairy tale. But if I'd have been asked about my confidence levels, if I'd had a conversation with, ha, a better or more decent line manager, for example. That conversation might have uncovered that I don't always feel sure about myself. I don't feel sure about my skills. I don't feel sure whether I've done an, a good enough job or not. Um, and I could have at that point had reassurance or found some support or learning and developed in my role. But I felt it was very much sink or swim. And I think we do, don't we? We think we have to either have loads of confidence or we don't have it. or we have to display things and we're not sure of it. And we never talk about confidence. And talking about low mood, depression, anxiety, stress is a lot harder, a lot harder. So I like this 
talking about confidence. We need to have a conversation about confidence as a gateway to thinking about other things. I can't remember the question again, Amy. I mean, this is, uh, I hope uh, I hope no one else can. <laughs> Don't worry, I can't either. It's all fine. Um, but in terms of what the confidence gives you, you said it trumps happiness, success, ambition, and well-being, which I'm a bit surprised about the well-being bit, because for me, I understand happiness. It's fleeting. It's not a, a, something that we should be attaining for or, or really everyone talks about the pursuit of happiness and for me it's something different it's the eudaimonia element which is the the sort of the word that is a combination of well-being happiness and flourishing it's it's a it's a really good like way euphoria to euphoric sort well of that's thing. again i would say that's more fleeting that's in a moment but mm, the, yeah. the combination of, of of where you said that confidence trumps well-being i i have a I probably disagree a little bit because well-being if you if you haven't got your well-being nothing else can function anyway but that that aside I do get okay, that confidence... well I didn't say it trumped it in that it overrode it no. I said that if you have confidence you know about how to get those other things understood set about if you wish and on the well-being piece I suppose I I can refer to my own growth in confidence and self-belief and greater self-esteem so therefore I deserve to look after myself. And so when I'm underconfident, I enter more of a self-sabotage phase. I don't eat the right foods. I don't exercise. I don't make contact with friends and family. I'm, you know, closed and, uh, you know, nothing feels good and I don't feel well. <laughs> um, okay, so um, I'm probably, as I mentioned earlier, more prone to illnesses. Um, and feel tired and, you know, just going in a, a vicious cycle rather than a virtuous one. Um, so, yeah, I think having greater self-belief can encourage you to think, well, actually, I deserve that time for myself. Um, I deserve time to reflect on my progress and my development. And that's something that I never had access to uh, for a very long time. Any sort of thinking, about it was very uncomfortable to sit with myself. So, yeah, uh, we can continue discussing it. What do you think now I've said that? Have I convinced you? Yeah, it's fine. I, and I, it's good that I clarified what it was that you were meaning from that because I, I made an assumption and it wasn't the right one. So that's great. And in terms of having a greater self-belief and deserving that time to reflect, did that come with maturity? Did that come with personal development? Or, or was it just a, how, how did that arise for you? Oh, this is going to sound really schmaltzy, Amy, but um, I think it came with love. Um, <laughs> so I felt probably for the first time ever in my life loved um, truly, unconditionally by a man who I'd been friends with for way too long before we got together. That was frustrating. Uh, we'd known each other for about 11, 12 years and um, I'd fancied him since the minute I met him, but I'd put that on a back burner because I had low self-esteem and I thought no person like that, as lovely as he is, would ever like somebody like me. You know, I had body issues. Um, I didn't think I was good enough, um, even though I was displaying marvellous confidence and, you know, self-belief and cockiness, if you like, at the time. My insecurities you wouldn't have known about. Um, and so I walked away from that sort of idea, really. Anyway like three relationships later for both of us and a kid each, we both find ourselves single and I decide I'm just about ready to 
you know, chuck my hat into the ring on this. And straight away, we just sort of fell deeply in love. And he is my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. Um, and I don't have to work hard at getting him to hear me or see me or understand me. And I'm a bit quirky. I think we all are, aren't we? We need our quirks and foibles to be loved. So, you know, I grew up in an environment where judging was the thing to do. And not just judging behaviors and activities, but judging personality traits, characteristics that were otherwise brilliant. You know, being a chatterbox, being a show off, uh, being sensitive, you know, those things are not good. You keep those small. Um, but you emerge eventually, I think. I think, <laughs> and it might be maturity. It might be that um, I stopped chasing so much and worrying and running around. And I was able to soften into the idea that I am worth looking after. Uh, therefore, I am worth looking after myself. And it's just gone great from there. And the more you do of that, the more you can surround yourself and be open to ideas and support. Whereas before I was like, this lone wolf, Amy, I was, you know, completely unable to ask for help um, or reflect on progress. It was like, I've either achieved or I haven't, I've either done a good job or I haven't. It was really my own judge by that time. So, um, you know, the belonging to an association, a professional association where there were people like me as well, and um, just just being more softer and more helpful myself. I, think, I say it's a radical transformation, but I'm still the same person. I've just got a different attitude, I think. And it's really interesting because what I'm hearing is this shift from being in a masculine environment, being very much in a masculine paradigm of, of achievement of an individualism and in that sort of old boys network of the BBC that you were describing. And whilst you were, you were saying that in the 90s, you're a feminist, Spice Girls, you've got all that movement coming through. What's happened here or what I see is that the feminine has been allowed to come through in you and that you've really embraced that. And you you said it's love, you know, and the relationships helped you. But it's also that sort of soft softness that has actually given you more power. Mm, yes, it is. But also embracing the leader within me and the strength within me um, and acknowledging that that is a good thing and it doesn't necessarily put people off. Um, I don't know what sort of era you grew up in, but, you know, I was brought up with a well, it was hardly a parenting style. It was more the 70s and the 80s. And, you know, you'll feel the back of my hand and why are you crying, you know, shut up sort of thing. Uh, why, you know, <laughs> it was kind of like there was no, I don't know, the, the relationship I grew up observing as well was very mum ironed my dad's shirts and rolled her eyes behind his back while he dominated a room of conversation and and basically told everyone they were wrong so that was a kind of difficult one to think how can I have a decent relationship when I actually am the alpha um, I like showing off I like chatting I like making decisions I'm very confident about my decisions and at the same time isn't that a man's role you know, in the back of my mind thinking, oh, well, I don't want to upset any fella because they may feel like that. But actually, as long as you've got a good fit, I could, and, and Steve, my other half says, you know what, 
your decisions are great. You, you're much better at it than I am. I don't want to be a decision maker. It's not that he's absolving himself of responsibility at all, but I naturally step forward. Um, and that has served me well in developing my business and, and how I lead groups of people or how I speak at the front of the room is to know that I'm actually quite good at that um, and not to be afraid of it as well. So I think Brené Brown in one of her podcasts had this fantastic phrase of a strong back and a soft front. So you're, you're strong, you're a strong woman, but you're soft or a strong person but you can be soft as well. And you don't have to be one or the other. You can be both. Good old Brené Brown, honestly. Good old Brené. Brings us back into the real world. And and I, I mean, I listen to Brené every lunchtime when I go out for a walk. I pick a different book and just listen to a different chapter randomly sometimes. And, and then maybe I'll carry on finishing that book. But I, I've read her books over and over. And, and what comes through, in, in fact, something that I was listening to her talking about today was was about leadership it was it's from her book dare to lead and it's a fantastic observations that she makes of how she has changed the way that she leads the, the different tasks or the way that that they adopt different ways of working in her own team and it's it's just incredible just how much softness and and warmth she brings to an incredibly, incredibly strong leadership role that she has. And it, it's, yeah, it's really interesting, but it comes back again, as you said, to those different paradigms that we have as as children growing up, where we we form those beliefs from the the workplace paradigm, the, the, the home environment that we have and the models of, of what we take on board of thinking that's what it is to be and in TV a relationship. And media and film. I mean, I grew up on so character much. films, Amy. I mean, that... Oh, my goodness. And Benny Hill. I mean, it just sent send a strange message. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. And so as, as a, a parent that's something that I've been really aware of when the kids were young you know and and what messages are we sending from the relationships and from our behaviors and you know we say one thing we roll our eyes you know at the same time it's it's crazy isn't it what we're sending out from messages yeah that's something that I've been very aware of I've got an 18 year old and a 16 year old stepdaughter who are both amazing and I have stepped up in my leadership, but also in my softness mm -hmm. and awareness of how I come across, even from when I was trying to lose baby weight, oh, the baby was five, but you know, that was still hanging around a bit. Um, I started, I knew that I wanted to role model sport and exercise. So just putting my trainers on in front of my five-year-old and going for a run, coming back a bit tired and a bit like maybe I walked most of it, but she didn't know that. And so working on myself without beasting or beating myself up at the same time, um, accepting that you are wrong or you have context for everything. So uh, being tired, you know, sorry, darling, I was a bit short with you. I'm tired because I've been working today. That's no excuse, but I just wanted to give you some context for why I was feeling that. And then mirroring it when it happens for her, you know, or, were you feeling a bit angry about something that happened yesterday, um, et cetera? So providing more of an awareness for yourself, sure, is great. But in the context and um, offering to others who are, you know, small, malleable, plasticine minds, 
Steve and I try and do really good role modeling. Um, we happen to fall into great camps of, right, I do the washing of the laundry. He does the cooking and the shopping at the supermarket, both roles we detest, but we're happy to do. <laughs> uh, I don't, I hate shopping. I hate supermarkets. I hate cooking. Um, but you, you know, so you kind of show that you are an equal family you're each putting in because you each consider other people um not in it for yourself which is often the model that you get in a kind of formative heterosexual couple model don't you where mum's ironing the shirts and rolling her eyes and dad's sitting on his ass doing nothing so um watching sports very important so yeah i think awareness is crucial um giving yourself time to have that reflection and you you spoke earlier about the the equity having an equitable having a choice in in the workplace from a woman's perspective, but also the equality. So in the home as well. So it's it's in all environments. It's not so the work you're doing with the women. Yes, it may be because they're looking to enhance their confidence in one area, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop no. in the work. It's it's the whole person, right? It is absolutely. And you can't be a power up, you know, power up your career woman um, with kids unless you've got a good support system who are absolutely behind you, uh, cheerleading for you. Um, and I call it this. I get people to reflect on who's on their bus. So who's on your bus? And um, my mate, Rachel uh, Haslam, who's also a, a trainer and coach and helps teams build well, she calls it who's on your buzz because she's from up north Lancashire way. So who's on your buzz? Who's on your bus? Um, and if there are people on your bus, you're driving it, you look behind you, who's in the seats? Who's in the passenger seats? Are they smiling faces? Have they got scarves with your name on? Are they waving like football supporters perhaps? Um, or are they kind of cat's bumhole mouth people, you know, a bit per bit pressed, a bit pursed lips, and a bit like, mm, I saw you do something amazing, mm, you know, and, and not encouraging you. So I've kicked a lot of people off my bus over the last 10 years, and I have replaced them with other people who are behind me 100%. They might not know they're on my bus. I may have only wet them once or twice, but nonetheless, they're big supporters or they're just decent people. Um, so, yeah, the, considering how you get your support and who is there for you in a partner, you cannot have someone who's taking away your energy and causing you worry and unhappiness and a moody atmosphere. And I've had that and I've I've made very big, bold decisions about separating from that because it was not helpful. I'd rather be alone than have somebody, you know, bringing a bad vibe um, and not supporting me. So, yeah, it's um, certainly it's not work and life are no longer separate, are they? And I don't think they should be either. I think I think it's hard. And um, was something you mentioned earlier about sort of equitable feeling and how great Brené was and everything. And I think being great is hard when you're in a big organisation and being authentic and different and unusual. And in fact, it does put women and I dare say lots of other types of people who are marginalised off being a leader. There was one woman who said to me, I would rather not progress my career than be as inauthentic as the leaders, leaders I see around me. If I can't be myself, I don't want to move forward. And so it was, 
she almost had in her head this kind of like, I can either be myself or I move forward. And so the work there was to think about how she might be herself and move forward, um, which was hard to hear actually. But of course, you know, probably you and I, and maybe other people who set up their own businesses tend to have what you might call bigger personalities than others, perhaps. I don't know, or maybe you develop them or maybe you, you find your voice and it doesn't matter so much because you, no you don't have to, anyone to answer to. Um, but that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Just have a lot of different people accepting each other and, and supporting each other. It's not like I'm after a fairy tale, don't I? I want to change the world, Amy. I want to do good things. <laughs> it's not unreasonable to to want it, to desire it, to build it, to to have it at all. And I love the metaphor of who's on your bus. It's also, for me, that cheerleader or critic that you described sitting on your bus and and very much. For me, that bus is also who's in your head you know do you have a cheerleader or do you have a a critical voice going on and you just mentioned there about finding your voice and it's it comes right down to that constant voice that you're hearing do you have a critical voice in your head I used to I've had to switch that person out because I had this really bossy school teacher that just wasn't very fun and I had to get rid of it and she kept all she he kept on coming up in your mind oh yeah in the with the voice and the sentences and all the rest of it lots yeah. of that yeah. yeah 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 mine's my mum's sort of critical judgy um so yes it, it is absolutely the work and the inner work is is where you find yourself you can reflect on yourself one of the best books i did in um lockdown was the artist's way love that and I'd known about negative self-talk for a long time. A mate of mine had introduced me to the idea when I was having a hard time with imposter syndrome at work, because you don't tell, any, tell anyone at work about having imposter syndrome, do you? And that compounds the problem. You know, I'm not sure I'm up for this. I feel like a fraud. I'm not sure I know what I do, I'm doing. You can't turn to your colleague and go, do you think I know what I'm doing? Because it just, uh, anyway, so it's a difficult one. She taught me about negative self-talk, my friend Bridget. And I started listening out for it and identifying it. So I talk about icing negative self-talk because, you know, ice is a powerful force, isn't it? It can help you with a gin and tonic, definitely. And it can help you with pain and inflammation. So identify it. Just listen out for negative, anything critical or judgy that you're saying to yourself about yourself is not good because we begin to believe it because it's such a long companion, an old companion in our head. But we think it must be true. Um, and then you can confront it, you can challenge it, you can change it out like you did, Amy, with the head, with the teacher, the bossy voice teacher who was running you down. And I'd give it a name as well. I've got self-talk Sybil. Oh, Penny, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. And then over time, <laughs> that's how she sounds. <laughs> you have no clue, have you? And what are you wearing those trousers for? You look like an idiot. Yeah, that one. Um, and then over time, you can e-extinguish that voice. But it's constant vigilance, wouldn't you say, Amy? It's like, it's for me, it's like whack-a-mole. Uh, to begin with, this mole keeps coming up through all the different holes at the fun fair, and you have to whack it with a, a club. Uh, and over time, it kind of calms down. And then every now and again, it pops up. I was 
having a cup of tea the other day, boiling the kettle before I was about to do a coaching session with a new client. She was very senior and I obviously was a little bit, you know, anticipating um, all sorts of things and, you know, was concerned about it in a way, in a good way. But what I didn't realise was there was something going on inside. As this kettle was boiling, this voice popped in and went, oh, Penny, you're not going to add any value. Mm. It's like, oh, and I nearly tipped into, no, I'm not, am I? But then I caught it and bopped it on the head like whack-a-mole and went, I am, I always do, go away. (laughs) But the inner work, oh my goodness, that's the starting point. But the artist's way, and the reason for saying that is that it enabled me to reflect on not just getting out from under a negative voice, but also develop creativity or the voice that you wanted. So there was a positive side to it as well. What do you want to be telling yourself about yourself? And I found through that that I, I could say, actually, I'm, I'm a very creative person. Um, I hadn't identified as that before. And that's given me power and strength and excitement and joy much more than had I not had that in my life. So um, again, but that's inner work, isn't it? It's reading a book, spending time, journaling, developing your own ideas about yourself. It might be hard, might be really difficult, um, but there is fruit to be had, you know? Um, So yeah, hopefully, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's a right bind. You don't get sports people wandering around going, you're probably gonna lose today. You you don't know that because uh, you think about <laughs> no in terms of when you watch a tennis match you can physically see that happen you can see that inner voice taking over yeah. and then they they lose the game that's true and, yeah 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 and, and well that, okay so the classic archetype of a motivated high performance sports person or something is like they go you've got you've got this you know all that kind of stuff but you're right they they probably haven't <laughs> yeah. Or when they win silver, they'll be like, oh, you idiot. Why didn't you win gold? (laughs) (laughs) So what I want to just sort of ask you before we we close out here, Penny, is from the purpose perspective, how does purpose keep you on track with your work? That is a really hard question to answer quickly. Because... Purpose. I mean, I haven't sat down and written a sentence out about what my purpose in life forevermore is. And sometimes, could we say multi-purpose? <laughs> what are my multi-purposes? Um, and I've mentioned, obviously, about enabling people to have a better, stronger, more comfortable voice at work and do better work and gain more confidence so they can be more and do more in the world. And that speaks very much to my purpose or my experience of being overlooked, unheard, um, and not knowing how to change that. And so I bring practical ways to enable people to change that for themselves if they, sh- if they choose to. Um, other purposes of family, aren't they? And like, um, very strongly, I don't want to have financial insecurity, um, it's made me no surprise that my parents weren't very generous. I've been working since I was 13 and earning my own crust. And that's really valuable to me, really important that I support my family. So yeah, there's, there's a few, isn't there always? 
I think to have one purpose is amazing, but I'm sure there are many that people could think of. Um, is that a purpose? Is that purpose? Yeah. Or is that just reason? Reason for getting up and doing what you do? How you want to describe it is is that absolutely that you know the reason for getting up in the morning works well and what happens when you are helping these women particularly but that you've mentioned earlier to be do and have more in the world is what they then go on to do so it's it's very much a a multi-layered purpose you've got so much going on yes you're absolutely right I can't fundraise I don't want to I can't um affect social progress um as much as i would love to do that i'm i'm the one you know one woman who can't but if i can enable others um to change the world then oh i'm just so excited by that much more than if i was going out and doing it myself supporting people being on their bus people say to me years after i've worked with them going i can still hear your voice in my head hopefully in a good way (laughs) um you know when i'm doing speaking or when i'm on a panel discussion or when i'm maybe heading to a tv interview or even at a board meeting or any you know any sort of micro moments that we have i can hear your voice in my head telling me that i'm really good at this and this is how i can do it better and 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 so I think if that's my gift and my purpose, then I'm loving it. I'm do- I'm doing it. Tick check. Yeah, great. Fabulous. <laughs> and and it is so important that you give people these messages and empower them to take whatever gifts they have in the world. And and from my perspective, that is what I do. I literally am helping people to create their purpose. And you mentioned earlier that you didn't think you were necessarily a very creative person. I think we all are. You know. Mm. From- we, we are gifted with creativity and it's just unlocking that and believing in it. And it comes in so many different forms. So the, the traditional way that we've been taught to be creative, that may not be yours, but there are so many different ways that we can be creative in life. And, and it's just, it's just looking at what it is that we're great at and, and leveraging that. And that is definitely what you're doing. So carry on. Oh, I've just got to carry on now. I don't want to use the word carry on. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, uh, it's wonderful. And and the inner voice is so important. I'm going to be talking about that in my reflections episode for sure about how I've shifted what I've done with, with, with who I now call it and what I now do and how I catch in the moment. And it's about, it is definitely that awareness piece, which is really powerful. So Penny, I'm sure there'll be people who would love to get in contact and say, how do I get onto one of your programs? What's the best way for them to reach out? Well, I would love it if people reached out and said hello. So usual methods apply like LinkedIn. Uh, I'm there. I think I'm probably Penny Haslam motivational speaker, it might be. But anyway, or female or something like that. Anyway, there's that. There's Instagram, Penny Haslam speaker, although I will caveat that with I'm not particularly present on Instagram. but check out my websites. I've got two. If you want to book me as a speaker, it's pennyhaslam.co.uk. Uh, but if you're interested in the coaching or the training that you've heard about, or, you know, interested in creating something of your own that you need help with, you know, just shout out. It's Bit Famous. So I've got a company called Bit Famous because uh, I was a bit famous, but now I help people become a bit famous so I like that anyway that's that's uh, that's fun for me um so yeah but I've also got a podcast Amy uh, called the Penny Haslam podcast um I thought well like a man I'm just going to name it after myself so <laughs> 
the Penny Haslam podcast. And that is absolutely stuffed full of practical tools and techniques um, for elevating your communication so you can communicate with confidence in a load of different settings. Um, so yeah, check that out. It's really uh, popular and well downloaded. Well downloaded, you know what I mean? I do. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. And useful. All of these links will go in the show notes for the listener to grab hold of. So thank you. And thank you so much for sharing your focus on why, why you're doing what you're doing and, and the people that you're helping. It's been an absolute joy to explore more of your world, Penny. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for having me, Amy. Absolute pleasure. Do you have some final words for the listener, please? I do. I would just encourage um, you to not leave stuff to chance. And I think we go sometimes through our lives with it happening to us. And I think making the choice to, the conscious choice to look at something, an aspect of yourself or something you want to achieve or change, leave, jumping on it, like a, studying it like an A-level rather than <laughs> understanding yourself and it a bit more would be cool. So I've got a, a one book called Make Yourself a Little Bit Famous, right? And it isn't like get more visible, do this, do that. It's like make yourself, enable yourself, encourage yourself. So don't leave things to chance. Um, I did that for a very long time and stumbled through. And now I'm stepping with purpose, definitely. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.